the Open Source Creative Podcast, Episode 0, The Pilot. This is the zeroth episode of the Open Source Podcast, a podcast where I ramble on about creativity, process, and open source software during my morning commute. This one's a little rough, but hey, it's my first go at it. Have a listen and let me know what you think. Oh, also, um, sorry about the squeaking in the background. That's my clutch. Really ought to do something about that. Um, we're going to toast marshmallows, are we? Could be. Welcome to the Open Source Creative Podcast, your podcast related to open source and creative production programs and utilities and workflows and all sorts of other fantastic awesomeness that you can be doing with free and open source software. I'm Jason Van Gumster and I'm that guy. So the the idea of this podcast is to talk about workflows and applications and perhaps just a little bit of the drama that goes on in terms of open source software community and users and developers because uh, anybody who's been on any of the forums or mailing lists or IRC for those of you who do it uh, related to open source software and any of the pros programs particularly with the the creative applications you'll find that there's a large set of very passionate very passionate people uh, that use each of these programs uh, sometimes that passion's fantastic some of that sometimes that, fa- that bleh, sometimes that passion uh, less so and everybody everybody has an opinion one of the nice things about open source software is that it's a uh, level playing ground but uh, a level playing ground also means that you get opinions from people who may or may not be qualified to give such an opinion well let me rephrase they're, they're qualified to give an opinion but their opinions may or may not be fully informed. Let's say it that way. In any case, I digress. The The purpose of this podcast is to cover those sort of things. The things you'll expect to hear on this podcast. Well, first of all, you'll probably hear there's a lot of background noise going on. That's because I'm recording this podcast on my daily commute. So the length of this podcast will be however long it takes me to get to or from work. <laughs> In any case... Who am I? Ah, uh, I'm Jason Van Gumster. I have written uh, Blender for Dummies, but now in its second edition, working on the third. And I also wrote Gimp Bible. And I ran a small animation studio in Richmond, Virginia for eight years called Hand Turkey Studios. So, and all throughout all of that, I've used open source software, Blender, Gimp, Inkscape, Scribus, you sort of name the application, and I've used it. Uh, in part of uh, my job doing animation and video production and graphic design and those various things. So I will try to reduce my number of ums and uhs and stutters and if I can't do it while I'm speaking, I'm definitely going to do it when I'm editing because I can't give this stuff just raw out. Uh, As far as release dates for the podcast, I'm looking at Wednesday. We'll see how that shakes out. You can find the podcast at monsterjavaguns.com slash podcast. 
So, topic for the day. Well, today starts the beginning of, today being the 25th of August, I should probably point that out. Today, the 25th of August, 2014, starts the starts a small contest that we're holding on blenderartist.org. Oh, by the way, I am a administrator of blenderartist.org, which is the, I would like to say, I think the largest blender community online. So it's a... It's, not an official community, but it's the the biggest web forum related to Blender. And on that forum, we have a special group that we've created for a 30-day modeling challenge. And that starts today, and I uh, started mine this morning and got it done in half an hour. And I'm, I'm only a little ashamed to say that I kind of phoned it in. I modeled a, wheel, a, a very simple rim for a wheel on a car. Uh, I'll have to do better next time around. Yeah, so that should be a, a, a fun thing to go through for the next 30 days. So until the end of September, that, that little contest, well, challenge, not contest, the challenge will be uh, going through. We've got about 25 different members on the group for that. And uh, we're, locking, we're locking the group as far as getting new people in it, uh, starting probably at the end of the day today, so I can get any stragglers catching in. And of course, <laughs> if you uh, don't keep up, and of course, if I don't keep up with the actually producing a model every day for 30 days, uh, I'm going to boot you from the group. I think I'm going to do that. Pretty sure I'm going to do that. I've kind of warmed up to the idea. It seems kind of douchey, but yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's sort of start off with starting off. Why in the world would someone willingly choose open source software as their primary go-to tools for any sort of creative production things because you know I mean quite frankly there are more capable tools out there on the market and they're all you know and then a good good many of them are all proprietary closed source applications so you know why what would make you choose GIMP over Photoshop Krita over Photoshop uh, Blender over Maya or 3D Studio Max or Houdini or uh, any any of those applications why, why would you even you know why would you want to do such a thing to yourself someone might ask well, the, the, the default answer anybody says is free. I was at a, what was I? I went to the Game Developers Conference a couple of years ago uh, in San Francisco. Ooh, yeah, yeah, sorry. GDC, I went to GDC in San Francisco, and it was, it was funny. I went and uh, was talking to a woman in a booth from Perforce. For those of you who aren't familiar with Perforce, Perforce is a uh, sort of a version control content management application uh, that's used a lot in the game design industry and uh, game development industry, and uh, for not just for for their code, but also for managing assets and and letting artists collaborate together on various uh, parts of the the pipeline. And uh, asked what I what I use, and of course I said. At the time, I'm, I'm, I was using mostly Subversion, but uh, I had been migrating myself over to Mercurial and Git, depending on the project that I'm, I'm working on. And uh, there was someone that was in the booth with the lady. He said, why would you ever do something like that? And the woman just, it was hilarious. The woman looked at because it's free? She she wasn't that bassy, and she didn't really sound like a like a horrible, horrible chain smoker. But... I'm gonna make her sound like that because it's not like I have all that many voices to, to, to call from. So, 
crazy chain smoker lady from Perforce, who's not a chain smoker and not crazy, uh, basically said I was using these applications because they're free. And it was funny because just down down at the end of the lane were the people from GitHub, and they were uh, they were not so so mean. But I mean, there there is there is some there is some truth to free as in beer, uh, the, the allure of not having to pay for it, but the, the ongoing things like your, uh, it's, it's only free if your time doesn't cost anything. So, I mean, that, the fact that you don't have to pay for a license, they pay for a seat of the software is not really, not the best reason to use open source software. Um, because ultimately when you, when you start, you know, doing creative things and, and making awesome work, someone's going to pay you, and a couple, one, maybe one good customer will pay for the seat of just about any program you want to use, so using it for free really isn't, isn't, unless you're the most, like, fastidiously frugal, penny-pinching son of a bitch, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that great of a reason. So, why else would you use it? Um, well, to be to be honest, I there are some workflows in, in programs like Photoshop and Maya and Adobe Studio Max that I'm, I, I don't like them. I use 3D Studio Max and it feels like I'm using a computer with socks on my hands. And it's, it's, it's just not a pleasant environment for me. And, you know, it's the same reason why you would choose Maya over 3D Studio Max or Softimage even. Oh, rest in peace, Softimage. But rest Softimage over Maya or uh, 3D Studio Max or Cinema 4D for that matter. You know, the re- people have particular flavors and particular tastes for the way they like to work. And their workflows are, are very, workflow is a very personal thing for a lot of people. Now, people who, who have grown up with particular with certain programs are kind of biased to a particular workflow. It's just the natural way of things. And uh, so just like somebody who, who grew up using Photoshop and, and those sort of things are biased to the way Photoshop works with image editing, um, you know, that's, that's, they're going to have a natural inclination towards, towards that kind of workflow. Just the same sort of thing as, you know, someone who grew up on a Mac isn't necessarily going to be a lot of, all that comfortable on Windows and vice versa. So, I actually like, I've used a lot of software, not just open source software, and uh, actually I, I like the way that many of the free software applications work. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a popular opinion, and uh, people who disagree with me would argue that it may not be a rational opinion, but, you know, workflow is a very personal thing. It's not necessarily subject to rationality if it's, if it's a way you're comfortable working. Uh, now, there's always ways to work faster and, and ways of doing speedier workflows and those sort of things, but, you know, again, it, it, it is largely subjective as to, as to how you like to work, you know, and someone, you can't really take somebody who likes to paint and tell them, you know, it's, it'll be much better for you to make whatever you're making, any art you make, use a pencil. It's, it's way better tool. It, it doesn't work that way. So yeah, I, I, that's that's a, a big reason. Blender has an unconventional interface by by standard by not standards, but 
Well, I'll say standards by by the way other programs work, and uh, really, I like it. I prefer it. That's why I use it. I find myself working faster in it than using the other program. Uh, and again, I, I'm not in some bubble where I haven't used other programs, so that should be somewhat clear. And I'm and I'm not I'm not alone in the world like that. There are other people in the world who use software the same sort of way, and they. That's why programs like. Blender and Gimp and things have, have gained popularity. It's not just because they're free, because again, free only gets you so far, especially if you're starting to try and make money doing the work. The other reason, and I got this reason primarily uh, from running my own shop for a while, is there is something very useful and very valuable about having the source code to your program in front of you, available to you if you need it. So, in the the, the rawest case, if if the program doesn't do something you want, you can code the feature yourself. Oh, but I'm an artist and I can't code the feature. Well, then you can hire someone to code the feature for you, or you can find somebody who's already doing it and you know give them a hand. I mean, if you got the software for free, tossing a couple of extra dollars towards aiding in developing a feature you want not that bad not, not that bad especially you know if you happen to do that and re-release that and it gets into the the, the you know trunk or master depending on what version control the program's using um, and if it gets part of the main program then everyone benefits from from your you know, your feature then again if you just need your feature and you don't care if anybody else uses it that's fine too uh, that that proved to be a big benefit and big advantage for me and again the, the responsiveness from that as well I mean fun little example I was working on on and this is one of many many examples of this but I mean I'm working on a project and I stumbled across a bug say in this case it was it was in blender and I was doing an animation where I was making a speedometer on a, on a vehicle that was going a certain speed, and I was animating that speedometer to match the vehicle's speed. Uh, very simple setup for anyone really super curious about it. It was an empty, and the X value of that empty, uh, I used Python to feed that to a text object, and that text object automatically updated each frame with the X value, uh, the X location of that empty. It worked fantastically until I went to render. And uh, yeah, went to render that, and it, it, it it basically puked all over my face. Uh, that's probably the a little bit of hyperbole. What it basically meant, what I basically mean is the numbers. Well, if I played back the animation in the 3D view, numbers updated just fine. It's great. When I played back the animation, when I tried to render the animation and try and play it back, the numbers never changed. It just vehicle stayed like it was going the same speed the whole time according to the speedometer and that was not right and that wasn't accurate and uh, so I jumped on IRC I jumped on the blender coders IRC channel on Freenode, and uh, first question was am I you know am I being an idiot or is this actually a problem and it turned out that that was a bug that was a problem this is a number of years back it turned out that was a bug that was a problem and uh, so they said all right we'll go ahead and file that in uh, our bug tracker and oh hold on wait it's an easy fix I've just fixed it and at the time blender was using subversion it's in trunk go ahead and download the source and recompile and you're good to go 
That happened in the course of like a 10 minute conversation. 10 minute conversation. Now, I understand that that one of the main complaints of like professional use on, on open source software is that there's no one to call, right? There's no one to uh, make a make a make a formal complaint to no customer service of any sort whatsoever when it comes to open source, which is by and large true. But for an individual artist, for an individual person, for a small company, trying to call or contact customer service or whatever of one of these uh, large commercial software houses, Autodesk, Adobe, etc., and you know, get that kind of feedback and turn around on a bug that that is in their software. Forget about it. Uh, there's no the I. Maybe other people have different experiences. I mean, I can't speak definitively for the world, but um, I've not run across a situation where, you know, I can call up somebody from, or jump on any sort of uh, support line for Adobe or Autodesk or SideFX or uh, Maxon or whomever and, and get a bug fix committed within within 10 minutes now granted i mean that's that's not necessarily even typical in 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 the 3d sorry in the open source world i mean people are busy people and, and i was just fortunate to stumble across a, a developer that that could look at that part of code and figure out what was going on wrong and, and fix it so i mean yeah i mean results aren't always going to be a 10-minute turnaround but the fact that there was even somebody there with the skill and ability to take care of it and willing to do so and you know not willing not going to give me the run around or call me a you know flaming asshole for it uh, there's a big appeal there and i more importantly i was able to get that job done on time and delivered uh the fact that that customer still hasn't paid me yet that's a different topic altogether um but but I was done on time, so that's that's the important part there. In any case, um, yeah. So so source availability is a big reason for me, at least. And a big reason I think for a lot of people who who choose to use uh, open source tools is, is that you get you get flexibility and you get a responsiveness that you don't get from not having the source uh, or the money. To, to, to pull clout with a larger company uh, such as vendors and whatnot. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's a gigantic reason. And of course, you know, there's just the... And I, I guess I, I technically fall into this category as well a little bit. There's the, 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 the open source lifestyle kind of people. People who are, who are you know, they get and enjoy and, and stand behind the notion of free software and, and like what the, the Free Software Foundation and the EFF and, uh, you know, what, the, what those sort of organizations and what free software kind of stands for. There's people who are, you know, very, very, you know, the same sort of, these same sort of people are very big on Creative Commons. And, and you know, so if, if, you're, if your lifestyle is, is I'm an open source software person, then obviously then, then if, you're in a, if you're in the creative field, then unless you want to not use open source software, you kind of, you know, you're going to be an open source creative. That's just the way it works out. Uh, and I, I mean, I fall into that a little bit. I'm, I, I like to think of myself as a pragmatist, so I'll use whatever 
the best tool is that I can find, but you know, my my druthers are that the tool will work in Linux, and my druther my druthers. I'm gonna keep using that word because it's my word for today. Uh, my I would also rather that the software have source available so that if if something goes sideways or the company that that is you know maintaining it goes belly up or any of these things, I have. I have a safety net, I have the source code, and I have the ability to, uh, you know, continue my work with the tools in hand and, and not really get, you know, kicked in the chest too hard if something goes wrong. So, yeah, let me take a drink of my coffee here because I'm talking a lot. I'm not one to talk very often, by the way, just sort of. So I'm trying to get used to this whole podcasting thing. Just putting that out there. It'd be really funny if this thing is actually not recording and it just stopped halfway through a while back, and I'm just sort of rambling to myself, which, again, is not entirely uncommon on a commute for me. So, no, but it, it, just looking over here at my, my tablet, it, it actually does look like it's still recording. For the record, uh, unfortunately, this podcast is only partially recorded with uh, free and open source software. Uh, I'm using, I'm recording it on my, my Android tablet, but I'm using RecForge, which is not open source, but it was, um, or has been the best I could find so far. If anybody has any other recommendations, I'd love to hear it. Uh, love to hear if there's a good open source solution for Android for recording podcast, not recording podcast, but recording audio in general. Uh, RecForge seems to be a pretty nice tool for the solution for the time being, but I'm not opposed to changing if I have to, or if, if I find something better, or if I find something open source. And of course, Android is, you know, it's got a Linux kernel, so there's that, but, you know, it's also, that's, everything else is bolted on, bolted on top of that is not necessarily open source, so, yeah, I have to sort of give that full sort of disclosure statement there, but, where was I? Oh, yeah, why are we, why, why would you choose to use open source software as a creative? Uh, yeah, one of the other th- reasons that, that you know, it seems strange, maybe for for a lot of people who are in the art field, but I, I promise you, it is entirely worth it. Is the majority of open source creative tools, a large, large segment of them, but I'll, I'll go so far as to say the majority of them have integrated scripting capabilities. Oftentimes with Python, but sometimes it's Ruby, sometimes it's Scheme, sometimes it's you know some weird, strange language or whatever, but the point of the matter is it's got integrated scripting, so you can automate a number of tasks. Now, I mean, commercial programs will have things like macros and actions, and, you know, maybe a little bit, and some of them, all the more advanced ones, will have scripting scripting capabilities, um, but then you might have scripting capabilities on top of a closed format or, 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 or any of those things, but any program that has scripting built into it is immediately more powerful, in my opinion. Uh, you just you can automate tasks. You can make tasks that you know. If I if I if I have to do another button for a web page, it'll make me angry. So I mean, I can I can do it once and basically script that action out, and then I got a quick way to make buttons. Done. Um, granted, that's a really really old reference because in HTML5 you don't have to do that as much anymore. But and CSS3 of course. But you know, suffice it to say that that. Automating tasks and, and getting the, the small 
painful, tedious things out of the way uh, are, are it's something that can be done with scripting. And if you're an artist, let's let's back up a second here. If you're if you're an artist and you're saying, I don't want to code, coding is math, you've been sold a lie. <laughs> coding, scripting has way more to do with language skills than they have, than it has to do with uh, with math, especially especially uh, in, in the general case. When it gets to doing some of that, the, the high highland, highland, man, I swear I speak sometimes. Like a high end uh, functions where you want to try and do manipulate three D geometry or, or or do stuff like that. But oftentimes that's still you know you're doing a call to an API that does it for you, and a lot of the math you're talking about is basic addition and subtraction, and it's it's not that hard, kids. By the way, I just say kids in general. I'm not meaning to mean anybody and say that they're really young. Well, I'm just, I just call people kids, so whatever. Fucking deal with it. In any case, scripting will make your life nicer. If you're an artist, if there's one thing I couldn't recommend to you more. It's learn how to do a little bit of code. Uh, artists, I'm digressing here, but artists in general are very good at... A little bit of background for me. Let me let me let me, let me pull it back here because it's seconds or two. So my background is both in engineering and in uh, animation. I'm an artist and an engineer, I guess. And in my experience, anecdotal as it may be, the only thing that really separates an engineer from an artist is a willingness to tolerate math. The engineers don't even have to like math; they simply tolerate it. Um, and that's not even it's not even using the same skills for coding I'm sort of backtracking a little bit here but when it comes to code it's all language skills and artists are really good at communication the difference there though is that artists when it comes to problem solving artists are typically very good at seeing the big picture solving the big problem looking at looking at the the, the, the totality of an issue and saying here's what the solution is uh, implementation eh, you know that, that's that's something. An engineer or, or a programmer will often look at a big problem. They'll also look to solve it, but they're much better at breaking a big problem down into smaller pieces that are solvable. And the solution to those smaller pieces often yields a solution to the bigger problem. That's really the difference in, in sort of mindset. And it's not that hard to break yourself into thinking in either way. Uh, it wouldn't hurt for engineers and programmers to think more big picture uh, in general. But it also wouldn't hurt artists to, to, you know, drill into a problem and see it, that see the small problems that, that, that compose it and the work to solve those. Because you solve a small fundamental problem and it propagates itself up and, and it's really a big benefit. But I'm digressing. I, I'm here. We'll stop. I'll come back for my digression. If you're an artist, learn scripting and coding. I don't care how old you are or how long you've been doing it. It will make your work better and faster. And especially if you're working in a field where, where time is of the essence, faster is always better. <laughs> well, assuming that you can maintain good quality, of course, and all that fun stuff. So yeah, that's uh, that's why you that's why, sort of in a nutshell, I personally have an interest in using free and open source software tools as part of my creative process 
when I when I make anything, be it an animation, be it this podcast, websites, graphic design, or anything else, open source tools are, are my go-to on that. And this podcast will uh, be focused on the nuts and bolts of doing that. So let's see. Do I have any? Let's see. Quick tips. Quick tips related to free software and friends. Hmm. This whole part where I'm contemplating what it is, uh, I'm probably going to cut it out. Incidentally, I will be editing this with uh, either Ardor or Audacity. I haven't decided which one I want to use yet. Um, Ardor will probably give me slightly better results, but it's a little bit heavier handed too. I don't know if I really need it for just a podcast. Audacity will probably solve solve most of the problems with that. Uh, oh, incidentally, the the music that I that I'm using at the beginning of this, hopefully that this this is still accurate by the time I finish the edit. The music that I, I use this was made by Sam Brubaker. Uh, if you want to check him out, go to SoundCloud.com/WorldsDay and uh, check out his stuff. He he's a uh, he makes some some fun electronic music and, and other things and. Links is a lot of it under Creative Commons license. That you know, it's nice. So I figure I'd give him a, a shout and, and those sort of things. For give him credit for his 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 work that I have pilfered and, and used for my own nefarious means. Being this podcast, uh, yeah. So I'll actually have more. I'm a little unprepared because I realized that now I. I should probably give quick tips, and I hadn't had any prepared and thought about what I should give you guys, and so maybe I'll think of a better one to, uh, oh, here, here, we'll go with this. Quick tips as to how to deal <laughs> with uh, people who don't understand why you're using open source software. Uh, one, you can just play this podcast for them, but you know, we're going on what, 30, 40 minutes now, maybe that. Maybe that's not the wisest of moves. I don't think I have the patience for it. Uh, you could go away and just say, you know, it's free. I like it. Go away. <laughs> and, and be done with it. You could sit down with them. Show them what you do with it and, and where you think you enjoy it. And if you can do that with, you know, while also being informed of how other programs work, then, then your arguments are all that much stronger. Or less so, depending on, on what you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, so use the tools you like, be comfortable with it. I won't begrudge anybody for, for not using open source software. Um, and really it's, it's a tool just like any other. It's got upsides, it's got its advantages, it's got its disadvantages. And, uh, just like, again, any other program, use the program for, for what it works best doing and where it doesn't. Well, you've got the source. That should about do it for me. I'm uh, showing up to work now. And yeah, I will, uh, <laughs> I'll edit this podcast down to a nub. And uh, we'll see if anything that's left of it is worth sharing with the world. With any luck, it'll be released on Wednesday, the 27th. And um the world will hear it and the one or two of you that are listening at this point will uh 
you know, let me know what you think. Hello. You know, uh, you know that thing's liable to go off. Yeah, it could. Yeah, sweetheart.